0: Hey everyone and welcome to the how to teach anything podcast the show where we interview different instructors coaches and educators to see what we can learn about the art of teaching my name is Matt Eiler and I'll be your host as we discuss best practices to teach anything let's get started Welcome back, everyone. Uh, our guest today is James Thornock. He is the operations manager over at Coder Kids, uh, which provides high quality coding instruction for kids in grades K through 12. Uh, he's also a former public school teacher and a father of one with one on the way, which is super exciting. How are you doing today, James? I'm doing really great. Excellent. We're so excited to, to have you here. Um, start off, could you tell us a little bit about what Coder Kids is, what they do, what your job is? Uh, what, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So we are basically where your kids start their coding journey and that's really exciting because coding is really exciting. It's, it's an incredibly engaging topic. Um, to a lot of parents, it seems like magic, um, to software developing parents. It doesn't seem that way anymore, <laughs> but yeah. the, uh, it, it's a spot for children to really dig in their teeth and, and really like learn in a way that they've never learned before and create creatively. I know that's a little bit redundant, but they will do projects that will push them, that will give them fundamental coding knowledge that then can transfer to more adult languages, like Mm -hmm. Python and Java and C++, things you can get a job in, right? Sure. Um, And then we do private tutoring at kind of any level. so. Um, that that's really what we do. We do in-person classes in Houston, but then we also do online classes. So you could be anywhere. We had people sign up from Belgium and Canada and Dubai and all sorts of um, places. And so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of in a nutshell what we do.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So I mean, I know there's a huge push in education with like STEM and, you know, coding being kind of one of the pathways for for jobs in the future. I mean, would you agree with that? as far as the importance of, uh, kids to learn coding nowadays, I mean, obviously you have a passion for it. Um, but I, I think this is something that could really equip students in the future. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, just from
1: like, to be hyper specific, right? Like I'm looking to hire a developer right now. And about four or five years ago, if you wanted to hire an international developer, you could hire like a, you know, a pretty good one for about $15 an hour. Um, not anymore. I mean, literally in the space of about four years, the international development market, um, it's about $40 an hour now you have yeah. to pay. And, th- and that's like in India or Indonesia or, or, or somewhere else. I mean, so I'd say the floor has really risen for everybody globally, which is really, really great for workers. Yeah. And that's kind of the point for for people running businesses, that's tough because you have to figure out how to pay these people, but they, you know, it really creates a lot of value inside of a company and, and having these skills, whether you're actually a coder or not, or whether you can just speak to, to the people building stuff, right. Building the apps, building the websites, working on databases, that kind of thing. Uh, It, it really helps with communication. And one of the number one problems in, in companies at large, and not to focus too much on the business world, but th- is communication, right? It's fairly easy. I mean, medium difficulty to find someone who has a specific skill set. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really hard to find someone who's got whatever skill set you're looking for and then also is a really great communicator. They're totally, especially in coding, they're very separate skill sets. And so... Uh, yeah that's that's kind of what companies are working for so we try to work on both of those attributes
0: yeah you know it's it's as you talk about you know with with education rather you know you always talk about giving uh, kids the tools they need to succeed and with this being a growing market um i could absolutely see the importance of coding in the future and 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 creating those those workers for a new generation um but on the flip side of that you know if i'm a a teacher in the classroom and I teach you know, math or reading or science what type of skills do you see you giving your students through coding that can help me as a teacher in a, in a general education classroom every subject mm-hmm.
1: every subject is benefited by coding and that's because cut co- like to code is to write instructions for computers okay the most fundamental level that's what coding is it's not more complicated than that it is it can get complicated when you're talking about a specific language or you're talking about putting a semicolon in the right place or something. And if you don't put the semicolon in the right place, then your whole program fails. Right. But on a, on a fundamental level, the, there are a couple of things that you learn in coding that um, are useful, like say in math and not sequential logic, you know, you have to do the order of operations correctly. Right. Um, You have to, you know, make the meal before you sit down at the table and eat the meal. And then after that, then you've got to do the dishes and, and like sequence really matters because otherwise you'd be washing clean dishes, eating an, you know, basically an empty plate (laughs) and then, and then cooking just to throw it away. Right. So like sequence really matters and, and the computer doesn't have like, it's not boxing with, with gloves. It's, Mm -hmm. it's like, you have, it has to be exactly correct. Uh, Otherwise, otherwise, otherwise they will know because the computer is like your smartest friend in terms of how much brain power and your dumbest friend in the fact that uh, it has no context, no contextual (laughs) awareness whatsoever. And AI, you know, is changing that, but AIs are typically developed for like one particular subject so that's just the example for math there are a couple other things you learn so there's um there's conditional logic right so this is what my mom taught me when i was at I know, like 12 years old she said if it's you know if it's 5 p.m then you you come home you wash your hands you sit down to the table for dinner right i think i didn't have breakfast so i'm using all these food analogies
0: but then I like food. We can talk more about that.
1: (laughs) If, if it's not 5. PM, then you best stay out the kitchen. Right. So that's the condition is like, is it 5. PM in, in a similar way, a computer checks for variables to see if they're true or false. Um, and lots of other things as well. And so that conditional logic is really important. There's, aside um so you'll also learn about coordinates which is useful in in math as well but i do want to touch on some of the art stuff so we typically use a program called scratch and this is developed by mit so kudos to them we love mit and we support everything they do i mean they, they gave this gift of scratch to the world basically for free no actually for free not basically for free actually and it's really transformed the way kids learn. one of the ways specifically is they, kids are able to, well, anybody, I mean, they don't check for age when you enter the site, but you can animate and you can color and you can bring your subjects to life. And so you have full artistic freedom. So we'll see students that are, like really have the logic side down and we try to push them on the creative side. And then we have students that just want to draw all day. And then we try to push them on the logic and the coding side, but, but really coding and whether it's video game creation or website creation, whatever we're working on or Minecraft modding, we're trying to marry those two sides. We're trying to say your creativity is valuable and important and essential to making something actually fun and playable and then on the other side the coding it's like well like the code has to be correct otherwise it's just not going to work so if you have all the logic down something will work but not necessarily be fun uh and then on the other side you might have all the ideas in the world and there's really cool stuff and maybe really pretty art but it just doesn't function very well and anybody who's a gamer knows that like there are lots of games that fit into these categories it's like well, it's an indie game. It's super beautiful and it's just not really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have then, you know, you have on the other side, it's like programs you use for work that are, you know, they function, but man, are they rough around the edges and you have to know how to get around it. And yeah. then once in a blue moon, like just super rarely you'll play um, a video game. That's just like it hits every level. It's creative. It's engaging. It helps you interact with your friends. It's, you know, it's got that full creativity, but it's like properly designed and it functionally works. But those are like incredibly rare because they're really hard to, to marry those two skill sets. So. It's
0: funny you mentioned that because I I really, I'm a big video game person and I, I'm starting to teach my kids and that type of thing. Um, And you're, you're 100% right. I've played lots of games where it's like, wow, the art style is beautiful, but it sucks. <laughs> like, it's just not a good game. And there's other games where like, I can see what they're going for, but man, they just, it looks rough around the edges. Um, and I really like that, that idea you talked about, about marrying the marriage of, um, logic and, and creativity, because I think oftentimes in education, we see those as very separate things, right? We see math and literature as two different topics. You know, we usually ask kids like, Oh, what do you like better? Do you like math or do you like reading? Um, yeah. And reading is tends to be this very creative process, reading and writing in this beautiful art form. And math is considered kind of the more STEM sterile. Um, Yeah. But what you're doing is is a
1: good word. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're really bringing together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You're bringing the two together, which is great.
1: Well, and, and that's the funny thing is like, I'm not right. Like I don't bring those together. They exist together already in the real world. We're just saying, Hey, this is what exists in the real world. Like this is how you can actually learn. And, and that's the other thing is it's a different approach to education entirely. It's a project-based model, which is a Montessori model where you're trying to end up with an outcome and the outcome's not a grade, right? It's, it's a project. It's something that can be put into a portfolio. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, my wife's a graphic designer, she's not a coder. And in college, one of the most important things she did was to put together a portfolio so she could get hired. And also because it looks pretty and it's really cool. You can go to larathornock.com and check it out. I mean, it's, it's some fun stuff. Hasn't been updated in a while, but it's pretty, right? So in a similar way, we, we, enable, um, we enable students to really like, build their portfolio and try stuff out. I mean, the nice thing about starting in third grade or in first grade or in fifth grade and look, if your if your child's in seventh grade, like it's not the end of the world. I know some parents act like it is, but you know they don't have to support their family with coding income. And sure. like being a coder in the real world, being a software engineer, they don't have to do that uh, in seventh grade. Um, and so starting when there's fairly low pressure, lets them experiment and fail and like do that whole fail forward thing and yeah. see hey do i like this cycle where i encounter a problem i come up with a solution or i find the solution on the internet um you know i i search up duckduckgo and then i find you know there's a solution or something out there and sorry duckduckgo is like a as search engine for yeah. those of you who don't know um that doesn't track your data so i like to I like to plug them. I don't get anything <laughs> for it, but they just they just don't they just don't track your your data. So the we like to just allow them this space to experiment and to practice and to fail and succeed like and and build something and then whatever they build they get to keep forever, right? Yeah. And that that is incredibly satisfying. It doesn't work for all kids. You know, I th- I think one of the one of the lines out there is that like coding is the future. And like, that's super vague. It's like, yeah, true, but vague. So I like to get specific. And then, you know, people say um, there's this line out there. It's like, you know, coding is important for every job. And I just don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> There's just, there are some people that just, it doesn't fit. Right. Sure. It's, but in a similar way, like you know, in a very diminutive way. Like I took karate when I was like eight years old and, um, I didn't, you know, become a black belt or anything. I don't think I belted at all. Um, but it gave me appreciation for the, the, and if you want to call it a sport or discipline or, or, um, philosophy, it's like kind of a mix of those, right? So definitely, um, (laughs) you're the, you're the expert on that one. But I feel like just trying it out, let me know, hey, could I be good at this and and give it a real shot? And so I feel like every child should be able to be given the a real shot at coding. See like, hey, does this jive? Does this does this work? And then there's like all kinds of different coders. You've got yeah. people that do websites, certainly video game designers, which a lot of kids want to be. I wanted to be. Didn't didn't turn out for me, um, but I'll still make dinky little video games on the side and that's kind of fun for me. And then there's database management for like big oil companies. I mean, there's so much that you could do. Um yeah, like kind yeah. of skies the limit. And so even if you don't fit into like one spot in coding, there's lots of others. But then maybe it doesn't fit and that's fine. I I don't I don't want to say anything that's not exactly true. And coding I feel like is like for 98% of kids
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's a very varied activity and you just want to give kids as much experience as possible to to dip their toes in the water. And like I know with martial arts, that's absolutely true. Like there's some kids that just like they're never going to love karate and that's okay. Um, (laughs) But at least, you know, they've had the the exposure to it and uh, you never know what impact you're going to leave on. Kids, which is great. You mentioned, you know, the building impact. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> There's that's like a bit of a because, like you, you know, you sparring, right? You yeah. Don't wanna... <laughs> well, not that type of impact. <laughs> let's hope different kind of an impact. Yeah. Um, you, know.
0: you mentioned you mentioned building a portfolio, and um, sure. what what is kind of like your curriculum do you have like a list of projects you pull from do you ask the kids what they want to do if i come to you and i'm i'm a fifth grader and i say i want to learn how to code um what's kind of the process for me to start building that portfolio how does your curriculum look yeah i mean first off i'd be like look you're a
1: fifth grader with a very deep voice but we'll take you (laughs) (laughs) it's like are you really fifth grader no but yeah so what we do is is we've custom designed a curriculum. Uh, if you go to scratch.mit.edu and you click on create in the top left-hand corner, you're going to be met with something that's a little bit terrifying, which is a completely blank canvas. Like there's no direction. There's no guidance. There's no nothing. I think there's some like dinky little tutorials that you can do. Well, outside of that, like, you know, you'd have no idea how to to do it. And so what we, what we give is a little bit of structure to that Mm -hmm. where we say, okay, Here's the skeleton. This is what an example of what your project can look like. I'll use, I just love specifics. Okay, so we have an asteroids clone. So for any kids of the eighties or nineties and remember asteroid, uh, you're, there's a ship in the middle, there's asteroids coming in and you have to shoot the asteroids and break them up so they don't hit your ship. If they hit your ship, then you're dead and then the game's over, right? So pretty simple concept. It's one of the kids' favorite because they get to fly a spaceship around sure. and do power-ups, and that's pretty cool. And so the skeleton says, you know, you got to have a ship. It's got to turn in multiple directions, and there's got to be asteroids kind of flying around, and the asteroids have to, like, hurt the hurt the main sprite or character, right? Um, and that's kind of it. And then we have... Uh, what's called differentiated learning. So this was hit on a ton while I was a public school teacher, and any public school teacher, you know, definitely my heart goes out to, you especially after COVID. Boy, that was brutal. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I mean, I can not imagine because we were teaching online classes at the same time, but not not in the same way. And it was probably a lot easier than than for public school teachers. So, um, my heart always goes out to 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 teachers in the what I love lovingly call this government school, right? But um. Yeah, so I definitely lost my turn of thought there. You said the, so, the differentiated learning. Yeah, so differentiated learning, huge thing. Basically what that means in actual English is if you have one child that learns either faster or slower or differently than another student, which guess what? Is every single group of kids on the planet. <laughs> we all learn slightly differently. Huh. Um, that you have different levels of completion that are all acceptable and different kind of challenges to be able to be worked on. So the way that we have actually carried that out at Coder Kids is we have a base level to every project that, you know, if you complete this base level, then guess what? It's done. It's complete. You're good to go. You can move on to the next thing. Um, But we also have something I think is interesting. We have three challenge levels so we have challenge level one two and three and those will push them to do all sorts of crazy stuff and what's interesting and we kind of came across this the way we do it by accident but essentially to get to the basic level of of completion we give them step-by-step instructions we just use a slideshow so they can have it up at the same exact time in front of them and they can just kind of follow along and and self-guide uh we don't lecture at kids for more than six to ten minutes we have six to ten minute lessons at the very beginning we're operating in in the fringes right we're operating at, in after school normally or in summer camp like we're only operating during periods where kids want to have fun and they, they're not wanting to like put their nose to the grindstone And so this was born out of necessity in the beginning, but we found that it's actually really effective. So kids and I dare say full grown adults don't have a lot of like storage space in -hmm. their brains for things that they need to actively remember. And so what we do is we will show an example of a project. We will teach literally one or two very simple concepts and then we'll let kids add it. Right. Right. So then they're working for the majority of the class. They're experimenting, they're seeing what works, they're cheating off their friends. We can talk about that later, but then they're, they're able to, to create in that period of time. And so I have to give the context. So that's the context, the backdrop um, in which different students can be working on different projects, but there's curriculum for all of them. So they can see the, the bare bones for the basic level and then those three challenge levels sorry for jumping around back and forth these challenge levels we do not give you instructions about how to do those. we just say create a power up we don't say what kind of power up it could affect the number of lives you have it could affect like how fast your laser cannon shoots on your spaceship it could affect um if you have a shield or not it could it could just be Um, one that just shoots fireballs in every direction and destroys all asteroids. And I made that one. It's incredibly satisfying to set (laughs) off. It's like really fun. Um, and the great thing is that these kids come up with things that I've literally never thought of before. I designed this particular project, what, three years ago and it's still cranking and I still get new implementation from students that kind of blows my mind so yeah we give them we give them basic we don't basis of what they should do we don't leave them hanging out to dry but when it comes to them being able to actually make the project their own they can and then that project goes into their portfolio so that's kind of a bunch of things all at once (laughs) but i think i answered your question
0: yeah Uh, no definitely i i it's funny because um one of the things, you know, little little side story, I mentioned my kids trying to start to play video games, and one of the things that you know, people uh, when I was growing up, it was like, don't play video games, don't play video games, they'll rot your brain, you know, that type of thing. I remember my parents yeah, saying that, sure. and now with my kids, like my kids have learned to be better readers, they've learned logic from video games, and one of the things that's always been amazing to me is is Minecraft, um, because it's <laughs> it's this it's this sandbox where kids are given kind of like what you said. Some tools, but I remember I booted up Minecraft for the first time. Like, what do I do? Like, there's there's very little. If you're playing in this mode, there's very little instructions, and people create incredible things in that in that game. Um, and it sounds very similar to what you're doing. You provide a basic sandbox, a structure with a few, you know, a shovel and a, a, a whatever, a couple different tools, and the kids are really given free reign. Um, is, it, is it a collaborative process? Are they like working together a lot of the times or picking each other's brains? How does that, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this comes, you know, right into what I mean when I say cheating. I mean, the way, the way that software developers work, it's, it, you know, if you look at any kind of software developer memes, you know, um, account on Instagram, yeah. they'll just, the constant jokes about, Stack overflow and how people are like copying work. Okay. Like it's known in the industry that (laughs) professional people are copying and pasting code all the live long day. And so to, to tell these kids that they need to know every single block of code and that, um, they need to like memorize it and spit it out on like some standardized style test is so backwards. We just Mm. don't even do it. Um, in a Montessori model. And so, so a little bit more background, like we teach in private schools, public schools, charter schools, and like with homeschool groups. And there's a pretty big difference we find in Montessori schools and homeschool types and private schools and stuff. They're like, Oh yeah, of course. But then public schools, it feels like, like, Ooh, I'm doing something wrong to cheat and to like, look at my neighbor's stuff. Yeah. And the, the difference is, you know, So we say cheat because it gets them all riled up and they just, they look sideways, you know, and they're like, they're like excited that they get to break some rules. And, you know, then after we say that and they they kind of laugh a little bit and their minds are kind of blown, we say, look, this is how real software developers do it. Now, when you copy and paste it, it's still important to understand what you pasted, right? Mm -hmm. So you can say, okay, well, this works why does this work and so sometimes what we'll do is kind of the opposite of what you think where we'd start with a completed project and then we break it and then we see okay what was broken
0: hmm.
1: in in like construction that was not you wouldn't start with like a skyscraper <laughs> and like punch out windows We're like hey what happened it's That's like, another thing that would get you out sued. windows yeah <laughs> yeah so like the nice thing is like there's no cost associated with starting one way or the other and so we're able to do both We'll sometimes we'll start from nothing and then build up and then sometimes we'll start with a completed project and say like all right like let's break stuff and see what's broken and both are like essential tools for learning again for anyone who knows the dreaded word debugging um or finding glitches or play testing like It's really tedious and tough work, but you need to figure out how to fix things that you think are already complete, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is why your phone has updates. Like it is never done. There's Mm -hmm. always stuff broken and you need to figure out how to do it. And so that's a skill that we work on. And so to answer your question, is it collaborative or not? Absolutely. All of coding is on a professional level even. And the funny thing is like Stack Overflow, right? It's like free. Like, people are posting unreal amounts of code in the real world, scot-free. And they figured out that they need it so bad. They need, like, that they have such a need of code and expertise that they kind of buy into the system where they say, like, "All right, well, I'm going to post mine because it's going to be beneficial for other people. It's It's a strange kind of manifestation where there's... All, many times, not a financial incentive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a strange thing, but that's how the industry works. And so we, we want to try to mimic that whenever possible.
0: That, that's really, that's really cool. You know, because uh, you know, we talked a lot about logic, we talked a lot about creativity, but here's kind of like, you know, this, this third facet of like this moral lesson and this betterment of, of the world kind of in a way, because now you're able to help each other. And it, ultimately, I mean, I think with the way, STEM is looking in the education system and, and the job market. Um, that's going to be a, a big area you know, in the next 10 years. It already is. Um, and so the idea that you know not only are you creating these people that can do this, but also these people that have an understanding of how are we going to make the world the best place possible through sharing resources and that type of thing. Um, I don't know. That's just a moral aspect that I really appreciate um, in what you're talking about. And um, I think a lot of teachers could, could learn from, which is why we do this show, because you know, I think there's, there's absolutely something that you could see there um to start wrapping up uh one of the things i like to do is just you know quick two minutes what is your favorite thing to teach do you have a favorite drill activity like if i said you've got you've got a half hour lesson teach me something what is your favorite thing to do
1: yeah i mean i i kind of love doing clicker games it's the fastest way to anybody who's ever played cookie clicker like they are terrible games to play like don't don't waste your time um but they're really fun to teach because you can take a student within a period of about 10 to 15 minutes and they can have a working functional game. And that just flicks on the light bulb for them. Mm-hmm. They see, Hey, like I can build stuff. I can do stuff. I don't just have to play video games made by Microsoft or Nintendo or, or, you know, Activision or Blizzard or whatever, mm-hmm. whoever else is going to get free advertising from this. Podcast. <laughs> but But like, I can make stuff and I can share it with my friends. And then it's just like, it blows their mind because what's happening in their mind is, oh, wait, 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 I can do this. I can make my own game and share this. Well, what if I made this type of game? Or what if I made this type of game? It's like, well, then in that type of game, I could do this, 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 or this. Mm -hmm. Could I do power-ups this way? Could I make it look like my little brother has his hair on fire? I totally could. Yeah. And then the teacher, can I make this like hyper specific game, you know, insert this idea of like my little brother's hair is on fire and you have to like go to the fire hydrant and and like, I don't know, spray his hair out or something. I totally just made that up. So that's n- no, no child has ever said that. So. All, <laughs> someone's going <laughs> to, someone's going to make it now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will buy that game by the way. So just <laughs> if you make it. Um, and they just see the possibility in their own life of what they could potentially do with a little bit more skill. Yeah. And that is what I love to see. Cause that light bulb just goes off. And as a teacher, you know, those, those moments are, you know, light bulb moments, but those are moments when like, you can see it in the eyes, you can see it in their entire body. Right. They're just like, Oh, I can, I can do this stuff. It's so it's, I, yeah. I hate, I hate this word in the context of 2022, but it's, empower like i I just hate it it's so overused but in this case i think it's true because they gain they gain an ability they gain a skill and they gain knowledge of what they could become in the future and to me it's just kind of the fastest path to get to that realization and once they have that realization they can develop a little more patience they can develop a little more skill to kind of do the rest of stuff so
0: yeah, that's that's awesome. You know, it's, it's funny. I just you probably know this already. But, you know, for some of our listeners who don't, it's it's empowering because, you know, this is a, a real thing that happens in the real world. I think about, you know, you mentioned indie games earlier and I can think of multiple games um, that were created by like a team of one, maybe two people. And now they're like Undertale comes to mind with Toby Fox. And, mm. um, you know, he's this guy that created this game and now it's like uh he has like some of his music and characters in like smash brothers which is like a nintendo franchise yeah Um,
1: that that blew my mind yeah
0: yeah and so like you know what you talk about with these these people coming up with i got an idea and this kind of branching tree of well i can do this and i can do this and i can do this that is that is a very real world opportunity that that is able for for young people to enjoy in the future and maybe even make a career out of um so it sounds like you're giving them some really really great tools um, all around the board. I, I, I loved our conversation today, especially the, the logic and creativity and, and kind of how you teach. That's great. I really, really appreciate it. Great conversation. Um, Well, James, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Thank you so much for being here um, and teaching us a little bit about teaching. Uh, To our listeners, don't forget to check out Coder Kids for more information on their coding classes, which are offered online and in person in the Houston area. Uh, You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you so much, James, for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And thank you to all our listeners who are tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And if you're looking for more How to Teach Anything content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest updates about upcoming episodes and more teachers tips. Uh, My name is Matt Eiler. You've been listening to the How to Teach Anything podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.